0: Welcome to Conversations with KP, the podcast. This is your host, KP, and I'll be pointing you to God through conversations and creativity. Let's go. Welcome to Conversations with KP, episode six, episode six with Tom Rainer, my very special guest. Um, Tom is husband to Nellie Joe, father to Sam, Art, and Jess Rayner, and has 10 grandchildren. Graduate of University of Alabama, holds a Master's of Divinity and Doctorate of Philosophy from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. President, former President and CEO of Way Christian Resources, the founding Dean Billy Graham Schools of Missions and Evangelism. He helped found that. He's currently the founder and CEO of Church Answers, an online community and resource for church leaders. Host Rainer on Leadership Podcast, speaker, and author of three number one best selling books. I am a church member, simple life, and simple church. Welcome, Tom Rainer. To Thank the you, podcast. KP.
1: I love that introduction. Yeah. Read, it, read it again. I love it.
0: <laughs> well, Tom, first thing I like to ask our listeners is, how did we meet, and do you remember?
1: Oh, I do remember how we met. I walked in. We're, um, I have this uh, uh, office in the area that you manage. And I walked in and got to know you right away. And you look like a guy that I could get to like and, and found out pretty soon that you were a believer in Christ. And so we had that connection. We had the connection that you managed this place. And uh, then we just started doing one thing after another. So it's, it's, been, it's been a great introduction to a good friendship, KP.
0: Yeah, I remember meeting you halfway through the hallway. And I think, um, you, were, I think I, you were telling me you were in ministry. And I told you, yeah, I got into um, what's said south, south, Eastern? You, you were southeastern. Eastern, yes. You looked at
1: southeastern and in you, south in Wake Forest, North Yeah,
0: I got in there for grad school, but I didn't go. And then you're like, oh man, that's cool. And then you told me about your program, Church Answers, which now I actually get to be a part of. So you have
1: you have actually signed up. Yeah. Church Answers University. Yeah. You're, you're in the founding class, and if I understand right. The class right now is 85 people, so yeah. we're one of 85.
0: And I'm excited to be a part of it. It's an honor to be a part of that program. Um, Tom, first question i like to ask on my guests is, when did your relationship with God begin?
1: I was introduced to Christ through my high school football coach. Uh, I write about him all the time. I know that you have looked at a book I've written. Yeah. I know we'll talk about that probably in a little while. But uh, Coach Joe Hendrickson introduced me. He, he was very to the point, came into his office and, He started talking to me about the gospel, and later that day I became a believer in Christ, accepted Christ. Uh I had a period where I really did not get connected with the church, did not grow in discipleship. But finally, after I got married, Nellie Joe said, if we're going to make this marriage work, Nellie Joe's my wife, as you said, if we're going to make this marriage work, then it has to be founded upon not only faith in Christ, but being active in a local church. And so that's when my growth really began. And then she came, to, she came home one or I came home one day, and she said, guess what? I said, what? She said, I'm pregnant. I said, what? <laughs> and so I, I, I was about to be a dad for the first time. That was 42 years. Wow. And that was 43 years ago because she's 42 now. i to, got to put that in there. So I've been married to Nellie Joe for 44 years. She was not instrumental in my coming to become a follower of Christ. She was instrumental in my growth in Christ.
0: Wow, that's it's awesome to be with the woman of God who's helping you grow. I think that's important when picking partner. In my wife is the same way. I, I yeah, hope you've I been get to married, married a little years. over a year. <laughs> <ago. I've laughs> exactly, been forty-four
1: years. See the difference between me and you, KP, is you go home and your wife says, "I'm glad you're home." I go home and Nellie Joe says, "Glad to have you home. Why don't you be leaving again?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure it'll be like that for me when I hit forty-four. But um, before you started in ministry, you were a banker. Talk about your experiences and what led you to pursue the call in vocational ministry.
1: Well, I wasn't just a banker. I was a son of 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 a a banker. Wow. I was a fifth generation banker. And I thought that that was my career. I started working in a bank. My father was president of a bank. He hired me. There were no child labor laws back then, but he hired me when I was 13 years old. Made my first loan when I was 14 years old. So uh, again, yes. you you wouldn't see that today, but uh, that's I, I just followed the family heritage in that. And as kind of a side note, my three sons didn't think they were going to ministry. They all started out in banking. So they became sixth generation bankers before they went into ministry. Uh, I th- There is no really rational way, there's no human way to explain why I went into vocational ministry, and I like to use the adjective vocational because I believe everybody's in ministry. There's some who are called to a vocational ministry in a church or a similar setting. Yeah. My call to vocational ministry took place while I was a banker. There had never been anyone in my entire family and my heritage, as far as I know, that had ever been in vocational ministry. As far as I, I can go back and, and look at all our genealogy and I don't see anybody that was in ministry. and uh, uh, I was a deacon of a church, and I went to visit a little five-year-old boy in uh, pediatric intensive care. When I was with him, he died. I was speaking with him. His family was right there, Brian Clowers, and it was just kind of in that moment. God had been tugging at me. God had been tugging at me, but it was in that moment when Brian died, and I started ministering to his parents on the spot in pediatric intensive care that, um, I just, I just said, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do, and yeah. so I turned in my resignation to the bank the next day, gave them two weeks' notice, and I was scared to death because I just, I realized I hadn't really talked to my wife about this, and you know, quitting your work, and we were still, we didn't have any we have kids at this time, you know, still newlyweds, yeah. fairly newlyweds, and so I tr- stumbled, tried to tell her what, what was going on. She said, "Oh, I know, we've been called to ministry." She said, "I've already called the real estate agent; they're waiting." put in the yard. That's crazy. So we left two weeks later to go to seminary in Louisville, Kentucky from Anniston, Alabama. We had never been to Louisville, Kentucky. We sold most of our possessions. This, this was pre-internet days now. You probably don't remember those days, <laughs> KP, but there was actually a day when there was no internet. And these were pre-internet days, and, and I, I um, we, we just loaded up the U-Haul with what the little bit of furniture we kept. And we went to seminary, and about the, the U-Haul broke down in North Alabama. And it was at that point that I looked at her, and I said, I just realized something. I hadn't applied for seminary. Yeah. <laughs> we were going there, didn't have a place to live, and hadn't even been accepted in school. Obviously, it worked out. But it was, I mean, I was usually organized and planned and this, this, it just did not it was weird but anyway that was the beginning of my pilgrimage spent six years at seminary then i pastored four churches then i went on to um uh had a life in the church answers
0: okay man that's that's crazy that took a leap of faith to drive somewhere you <laughs>
1: are either very crazy so I'm <laughs> just, it's sometimes like,
0: faithly crazy is the same yeah thing.
1: i think i'm more the former than the latter i don't know or the um, latter and the former i think it is
0: and so this began like a very long and still relationship with the church that you have now where did your passion for growing the church come from
1: when i became a church member uh after marriage i I was a nominal church member before marriage when i became a church member after marriage uh i just I, i saw that this local imperfect institution that god created was what he left for his ministry to be carried out and For some reason that I can't even say other than God was in it, I realized, I started reading about the church, and even, and I'm still a banker at this point, I saw that the church was God's plan A, and he doesn't have a plan B. Wow. From Acts 2 to Revelation 3, everything in there is either about a local church or in the context of a local church. Yeah said, so that's pretty important. And that's when I just said I'm going to commit my life to ministry in the local church and it ended up of course being a pastor and then other things followed.
0: Man, that's that's great. And I think it's um what I what I love about reading what you've done with church answers and being in that program is that not only are you trying to go to church with like a thing like that, more so church engagement and people actually coming to church and being contributors and not just consumers and talk a little about talk a little bit about your passion about the people in church wanting to be, getting them to be contributors to church?
1: Well, true, I wrote a book a few years ago called I Am a Church Member. That particular book, and forgive me for boasting about it, but I'm gonna tell you the impact it had. That book is the best-selling non-fiction, well, the best-selling book about the church in history. And it was just this little book, I mean, this real little book. And I talk about being a church according to The biblical being a church member according to being the biblical pattern i reference first corinthians 12 a good bit because that's one of the first places where membership is mentioned that Mm -hmm. being a church member now what does it mean to be a member it means that you're the arm you're the feet you're the mouth and you are a contributing member the whole idea of membership in the church is selfless whereas if you're a country club member it is entitlement is what you get most of the time when we think about membership we're thinking about things that we get if we pay our way and the church is what you give and pay to be able to do so the, the exciting thing about being a church member is that we get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves and as we get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves we know that we're making a difference this is not about the unholy trinity of me myself and I, this is about serving others and serving God
0: that's great, that's great. And um, I recently read your book, Sharing the Gospel with Ease, which is a great book. You really challenged me to share my faith. Um, as a fellow introvert, what gave you the courage to share your faith?
1: Only God gave this introvert courage. I mean, my idea of a good time is sitting in the corner with no one behind me. I, I just, I, I mean, I walk around in this office place and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching people talk to one another and I'm saying, how do they do that? I'm just, <laughs> I am just not natural at doing that. And I, I took an old evangelism training program decades ago called Evangelism Explosion. It was started by a guy by the name of D. James Kennedy at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. And you had to memorize tons of information. You went door to door. And I was just scared to death to do that. It wasn't who I was. And so I did something differently. And I'm sure I'm not the first to do it and I won't be the last. But I started saying, God, I know I'm supposed to be a part of the Great Commission. I know I'm supposed to share the gospel. But you know my personality. I don't just go out and meet people. I'm just going to trust you to put people in my path. And I've been praying that prayer ever since then. And people have walked into my path. And it's happened naturally instead of contrary to my personality. One of the greatest things of freedom for me was that God works within who we are. He doesn't try to change us unless it's just change us to grow closer to him, yeah. but he does not try to change our personality.
0: Yeah. And one thing I, and that's because I'm an introvert, I understand exactly what you mean. And reading your book, it challenged me also to pray more for opportunities to share the gospel because sometimes, like you said, we'll psych ourselves out saying, that's not my personality to go out of my way. But it's about that power working in us, and then you—you right. you really broke down Matthew twenty-eight nineteen and what that really means. Because that was the first revelation I got out of—got out of—that verse from that perspective. Because you just like think of that verse, I'm like, yeah, share the gospel, obviously, you know. But I can do that with my actions. But you were really talking about how the Holy Spirit empowers you to share your faith, and then my yeah, next. Yeah, quick, don't read yeah.
1: Matthew twenty-eight nineteen without reading Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. Yeah. Where God promises that His Spirit will be with us, and then you go and make disciples of all nations.
0: Very important part. And why is it important that we share our faith as followers of Jesus?
1: Well, number one, it's biblical. It's a biblical mandate. It is the first biblical mandate that Christ gave us as He was about to leave Earth. So think of a last will and testament. Um, I recently, my wife and I recently revised our wills, and we, we were going over it methodically because. As a 67-year-old man, I know the number of years on this side are less than the number of years that we have already had. And so we, we, we know that the time will come, and we wanted to make sure everything is right. Every word that we wrote in that last will and testament, this revised one, we, we went over carefully. Well, think about Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, and he's talking to his followers. They have no idea he's about to be taken up. 'Cause the text says uh, that they're they're looking up, trying to figure out what happened. The angel says, Why are you looking up? Go and get ready to share the gospel. That's the Rainer paraphrase. Mm-hmm. And and the last thing that Christ said to us in Acts one eight is, You will be my witnesses. Yeah. Where will you be my witnesses? Where you are, Jerusalem, where you're going, Judea, and where others will be sent, Judea and even to the ends of the earth, Samaria to the ends of the earth. And so The first thing about sharing your faith is, it's a biblical mandate. Secondly, is there anything more important than where someone spends eternity? And the answer to that is a rhetorical question, but I'll answer the rhetorical question, no. And how can they know? They know because we as human instruments have been commanded by Jesus to share that we are his instruments, of the good news and we tell others how so you do the biblical mandate and the critical importance of eternity and that that's enough by itself that's enough by itself
0: yeah man that's it I mean I just remember I went through that book probably in like two weeks it was a great read I tried to read a chapter a day and every day I kind of got a takeaway like this is how I need to be praying this is how I need to challenge myself to share um, challenged myself to share the gospel there was many stories and examples you gave in the book about how you were uncomfortable like what i think you sat down with the guy you're like do you want to go to hell you're that was my stuff? first
1: time sharing the yeah. gospel that was my friend jim and i wasn't sitting down i was pacing and he said what's wrong with you i said jim you don't want to go to hell do you and he looks at me he says no can you tell me how to go to heaven i said really
0: oh man that was like, that's one of my favorite stories in there, because I can just see, because I, I can see you, like, based around panicking, like, did you say you were sweating too, because you were, so. oh, oh,
1: it was terrible, it was terrible, and I've had other moments like that, because, once again, I'm not a natural, I am very unnatural in yeah. relationships with others, yeah. I'm an extreme introvert.
0: And and this goes to how, like, sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone to experience growth. So it's great to hear that or hear you do that. I don't
1: want to get out of my comfort (laughs) zone like that again.
0: Um, Although sharing the gospel is very important to you, your family is also very important to you. How did you manage the large call on your life while being a husband and a father?
1: Not always well. Uh, I will make that very clear that um, there were times that I was absent as a dad. There were times that I was... um, Uh, absent as a husband Um, there was a point in my ministry where uh, it just seemed like invitations were coming in by the dozens to speak in different places and I was taking one here and one there and and I was gone a lot so I want to be very clear that I did not always do well as a father and a husband my, my son and I, well, I have three sons, but my middle son and I wrote a book several years ago called Raising Dad. Yeah. And it's the story, from his perspective, about what it was like to be raised by me. Mm-hmm. And then I would respond to it. The, his commentary, his dialogue, shocked me. Because his perspective on my raising him and his brothers was that I did a tremendous job. And and you know from my perspective, I did well at times, but other times I was just absent. He said, "Dad, do you realize you never missed a game?" Man. He said, "He said, do you remember the time that you came back for uh, my last uh, basketball game?" I said, "Yeah, my flight got canceled in Chicago." He said, "Do you remember what you did?" See, yeah, I rented a car and I probably broke a few laws to get back, and I got in right as the game was starting. Yeah he remembers that the good thing about kids is they want to love their parents and so they have selective memories and I did some things right and I gotta say my wife was really the hero, the heroine of the story she's the one that gave them incredible amounts of time, encouragement but I'm very close to my sons, I speak with them, all three of them almost every day
0: man that's awesome and
1: they they're 42, 40, and 37, and we still talk every day. In fact, we were on a Zoom call today, just, just, just the boys and I. So it's, it's incredible the relationship I have with them at this point. But I have to be clear, I did not always do well in this area. I just, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, for some reason, by the grace of God and by the kindness of uh, my boys and by the great work that my wife Nellie Jo did, they turned out pretty well and uh it's it's uh they're they're my best friends I'd, I'd rather be with them than anybody
0: Yeah, that's, that's that's awesome that's goals right there and um this says to my next question because tom i consider you a legend not because of all the books and the position you've held but by the legacy you have left for your children and your grandchildren what is it like to see your three sons follow your footsteps in sharing the gospel and building the church
1: I think they're following Christ's footsteps more than they're following mine, and that's what's encouraging. Yeah. Uh, they, they, My three sons, I've got two of them who are pastors, another one that is in Christian ministry as well, not in pastoral work, but I've got three sons in vocational ministry. But you know, it wouldn't matter to me, KP, if they were a plumber, a farmer, an electrician, yeah. just because whatever they're doing, I am just incredibly proud of them and they are serving the Lord. And what I'm watching them do is they are serving the Lord and raising 10 kids between the three sons, and those children are serving the Lord. Amen. So it's just, awesome. a, it's, it's just this incredible pattern of watching your sons become the godly leaders many ways that I should have been, even more so. They're, they're so much better than I am and uh, I've told them on more than one occasion. I learn from them all the time. I remember one time we lost a grandchild. Uh, he died young. And um, I remember my son, Jess. Have you met him? I don't
0: think I met Jess. I've met Jess. Sam.
1: Okay, you've met Sam. Uh, Jess is actually supposed to be using this office. Where <laughs> he, this office that you're managing, he lives in Spring Hill, not too far from here, but he has not come here yet. And uh, Jess lost a son in infancy. And I remember when he came into the uh, uh, waiting room to tell the four grandparents who were waiting that Will had died. And uh, he, he came to me first and just started crying. And uh, I said, what can I do for you, son? And he said, Dad, just pray that God will use Will's death in my life to glorify him. Man. And you know, it was that moment, losing a grandchild, him losing a child. But him just having that type of strength to say, I pray that God will be glorified in all of this. Those are the moments that make up legacies, not money, not fame, not any of that. That's true. That's true legacy.
0: Yeah, man. I, like I said, like I consider you a legend because I think the most important thing a parent would love to see is just their children following after God and not your, your children are doing that. Your kids are doing that. That's a testament to who you are and who your wife are as parents. So I just want Reverse to say, that, KP. for that.
1: It's who my wife is doing <laughs> and, that I, and that I sometimes do.
0: That is funny. All right, we're going to get into the fun part of the conversation. So,
1: What, yeah, this ain't been fun for you? Oh, no, it's been fun. Oh, that's, but this what is, you just, this, that's what you just this, said. Oh, this, this has is been
0: more fun. fun. This is more fun. So what are your top five influential books? Five is, five. five is tough. It's well, eight. don't do five. Just do, give me your most influential books that are right. impacted you It's life.
1: not that I can't remember five. It's once I get past three, there are a lot of number fours. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Evangelism in the Early Church, 1970 by Michael Green. First four centuries of evangelism. Yeah. It's, it's a book. It was written in 1970. It's over a half a century old. But it's a book that gives the history of how the early church exploded through the obedience of people sharing the gospel. Wow. So it is, it is absolutely you know, right at the top. In terms of my personal spiritual development, probably Knowing God by J.I. Packer. That book probably is about 50 years old too. It's another classic. I've heard of that one. It's, it's had a great influence upon my life. Then when I, when I began to think of secular leadership books, and there have been some influential ones that are not necessarily, they're not anti-Christian, but they're not necessarily biblical books. John Kotter's book called Leading Change is a classic that I have used in my leadership. When I was president of LifeWay, I had slightly under 6,000 employees. Leadership was, was one way. Now I have uh, retired from LifeWay and I'm, I'm founded Church Answers and we have 20-something employees, totally different. And then leadership at all different levels. His, his, his book, John Kotter's book on Leading Change was very important. And then when I saw your question ahead of time, I started looking at number four and where there are lots of them that out there, but those those are the big three.
0: Okay, I'll, I'm, I'm gonna check those three out for sure. They're gonna be on my my reading list. I love to read. Which books that you written were your favorite to write?
1: Oh, that one is easy. The one that hasn't been one of my best sellers, Raising Dad with Art. Mm, Writing. I have that one. You do have. <laughs> yep, that one.
0: I got that one. You gave it to me. I got that. Okay. One. okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, that's right. That's right. I remember giving that to you, raising dad uh, with art. But then I wrote a book with Jess, and it's another one of my favorites called The Millennials. And uh, it's it's a little bit dated because we wrote it uh, 15 years ago about the millennial yeah. generation. But just the just the act of uh, of writing a book with him, and then another book I wrote. Guess what? With the son, called Essential Church. What mm-hmm. it means to be a part of church. Those are three books. Neither one I'm wearing my hot sellers, but because I wrote them with my sons, they were my three favorites.
0: Well, Tom, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I want you to share with them where they can find you, follow you, and um, yeah.
1: It just it's very simple. just go to churchanswers.com and the links will lead you in a lot of different ways there. We've got articles there by me, my sons, and other people. We've got We have four podcasts at Church Answers. Wow! Or we've got Rainer on Leadership, we've got Revitalize and Replant we've got EST which is the established church and then we have um, uh, the Money Challenge by Art Rainer so we've got all of those nice.
0: there and also guys, buy Tom's books but by Sharing the Gospel with Ease that is a great read for millennials my age newest such a challenging book, newest book. book I'm telling you, it'll challenge you to share your faith so Tom, thank you so much for being on the podcast Thank a you, honor to have
1: you, And I'm sorry only part of the podcast was fun. I should have done better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Guys, that's a wrap.